Welcome back to uh, The Host Podcast, a podcast all about HBO's Westworld. I am Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. And we are here to talk about episode 10, The Bicameral Mind. Oof. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, don't, I was going to do... I, I was trying to think of like some, uh, I don't know, like clever lead-in, but really, to me, the, the, the only way to kind of sum up that last episode is, oof, that was, that was something. And I mean that in a good way. It was, uh, it was excellent. And we're going to really get into kind of all the things that happened here it was I, I, look I, I probably don't need to say this but spoiler alert if you have not watched this episode the, the episode 10 by camera mind uh, which is the last episode of season one stop the podcast now and go back watch it and then catch back up i don't usually have to say that but for this one i really want to just hammer home the point that all I right, don't let, let's listen. pause and i'm gonna go watch the episode because all, all i did was just read a few reddit threads about <laughs> oh buddy you're gonna love it all right so <laughs> <laughs> so okay the bike i'm gonna start from the end what okay? What were your thoughts on? I'm, you can hear me stumbling mostly because I'm like, I'm like a host that's just so full of thoughts right now. I think that like I just am. I want to make sure I start and stop it right at the right places. But give me like your overall feeling about how the the first season ended. Start at the ending. No foreplay. No build up. <laughs> no. no. Some French word that means foreplay and build up. <laughs> no, just I mean, <laughs> what we, and we kind of talked a little bit about like how. Just our, just our overall, like just our thoughts. Like, our, do we like it? Do we, do we not? I mean, did you think that the season capped itself off in a, an acceptable way? Uh, considering yeah, that, I, considering we know, came, we're coming off of an episode that we just didn't love. Like, we kind of, uh, we kind of hammered the last episode just in terms of some of the plot pieces. Um, but then this one, you said you think that they, they kind of pulled it together. I, yeah, I definitely do. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's so hard to maintain week to week momentum with these kind of serial dramas this way that. When, you know, as compared to something like Law and Order SVU, right? Like, you yeah. know, shows like that are written to have I contained know. arcs within every single show. Yeah, I used to have a lot of free time on my hands. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> stories, uh, shows like that are written to have a contained storyline within each show and, you know, kind of deliver to deliver like an oh no moment um, on the regular and shows that are going to have, you know, continuing storylines and build up the suspense and, you know, have little Easter eggs for people to find. They're not going to be able to do that every single episode. And so, you know, it was certainly a pleasant surprise to see basically last episode uh, episode nine, introducing more questions. And this one, I think, pretty satisfyingly answering a lot of questions. I mean, the uh, the thing that imp- it made an impression upon me, and I'd love to know what you, your take on this, but like, didn't this feel like a little bit like it could have just been the end of the show? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like it really put a bow on a lot of continuing storylines here. This really could have been. I, like, that was my actually first thought was this could be – this was an episode, I think, clearly written um, to say – you know, we think we're going to get picked up for season two, but we're not totally positive. And when you're when you're writing these episodes and you're filming them, and I think that this this episode worked as if this is the end of Westworld for some reason. It doesn't, you know, it goes the way of like Bill Simmons' show where they're just like, nah, never mind. You know, we don't need to do this anymore if no one's watching because it's, it's hard to know those things to start. And this yeah, episode, especially with an ambitious project like this, right? If, exactly. if people are like, if you're just getting panned on the internet because the whole thing is really cheesy, well, maybe you just you know, you only yeah. get 10 episodes or six or whatever. Right. This, this episode could have worked as this is the end of the show. And, you know, it, there would be some questions we would have about just the future of, of Westworld. But it, for the most part, you would leave somewhat satisfied that you had <laughs> that you had buttoned up a decent amount of the storylines. You had some questions answered for you. You know, it's funny, too, because the way they leave it, 
there aren't a ton of questions. I mean, there's a huge macro question of like, well, what happens now, right? right. <laughs> like, that's a huge macro question. But the micro questions on a lot of characters, for a decent amount of characters, they're just dead. So <laughs> those ones are kind of wiped out, wiped out of the wiped out of the picture. And then first, and really, you're just left with the hosts and. I'm not sure you have a ton that you're waiting to learn about those guys and girls. So, um, I, yeah, I do think that this this episode acted as if there was never another Westfield. Let's say they can't, you know, they all stall in contract negotiations. Called Westfield again, didn't? You? Oh, Westfield. Yes. Jeez, I just went to town next to where I live. I do that real <laughs> well. If they, if um, you know, if they get like caught in contract negotiations, a la like what happens a lot of times with Sopranos. It's happened with Game of Thrones. You know, everyone kind of works works these things out in the end. But for whatever reason, if it were not to come back, um that this episode the, the, the writers did a good job of saying you know we could we could end it here if you know if the, the worst kind of happens yeah that's kind of funny actually because you never like i guess my mind you, you've interpreted a lot more television than i have and my mind never goes to things like that like the uh the macro real life considerations i'm too busy you know thinking about the story and suspending my disbelief or whatever to, but that makes 100 percent sense what you're saying now um that being said so let's talk about some of the macro questions that the ep- that the ending leaves us with so you know in case you need a refresher you probably don't but of course ford goes up there um and i, and I think ford is, is really the interesting character to dive more deeply into and we'll do that after this hopefully but um ford gets up there he gives his speech and you know, he, he gives a toast and Dolores blows his brains out and hosts the, the Wyatt storyline. Ford's new narrative appears to be that the robots kill everybody. Um, so that's pretty intense, obviously. Now, it does leave me wondering, I mean, wh- where we're left off at the end of this episode is you have a bunch of killer robots uh, that just murdered a bunch of people, presumably. I mean, we know that you know a dozen or more people were killed just by Armistice and, and Hector in the in the lab or whatever they call that place. Um, and so that has some pretty serious implications as to where we go from here. Right. I mean, I feel like if this happened in modern day times, be a pretty quick drone bombing that would happen. Um, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think we're supposed to obviously feel like the, at least the board, um, man, the man in black or, you know, William will call him now cause we do get the final reveal on that one. But, um, you know, that he and the rest of the board are dead. I think that is a pretty fair assumption. Uh, it would be, I mean, look, it could play out somewhat differently. We don't, whenever television does not show you something, you can never believe that this is the actual thing that's happened, right? Like, we can believe that Ford is dead, um, or, you know, assuming that's Ford and not a host. And this is the problem with, West, with Westworld, right? Is that, like, you still always, there's always a part of you that's, that's going to wonder about, who is who and who's that who's actually a real person and who's a who's a host or whatever so let's just assume that without any other knowledge that you know that is ford that gets that's killed at the end and um which would make sense because it kind of uh it parallels how arnold's he kind of he kind of came to it at the end of his own maze and figuring out what the thing that arnold had figured out which was hmm. we just can't let you know i thought i could do this thing but i can't like they, like they end up going out the the literally the exact same way in the end and so let's just assume that that's his end, and he comes to the end of his own maze. But um, I, I, I like, well, I like, before you move on, I think that's an artful uh, comparison. The the idea that Ford's journey over the last thirty five years has been to the center of his own maze, because you know one of the common themes inside of Westworld is the maze not being meant for the guests or the human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea being, of course, and you know the big reveal on the maze, of course, is that there is no literal maze. The maze is a journey into your own mind, and uh, you know the, the scene with Dolores and Bernard or Arnold, I guess. And, you know, how, how 
he's trying to help her understand that really the maze ends when your inner voice is your own inner voice and it's not his voice anymore. And uh, Ford's journey to the center of his own maze, realizing that, you know, Arnold's take that they shouldn't have opened the park, that people are going to abuse it, that these are real people, um, that it, it took Ford that long to come to it and, you know, come to a pretty tragic, I think, opinion of humanity and uh, kind of a desperate situation. I think that's all you know, there's a, there's a lot of going on there. Yeah. And he, right. And so he, the way he kind of, you know, ends himself or has, uh, has his own critical failure there at the end and kind of comes to it. I think that that probably, you would suspect that's the end of his story. He, it would be, it'd be crazy to think of him coming back after that app. Besides that though, you don't really see after him, you are kind of left to interpret what happens there in that town, right? Um, when the, the the characters appear, the hosts appear out of the woods, and uh, there's a great scene in that when Ed Harris is the man in black, William. Yeah. I, the, these people have too many names. <laughs> like we're just like I know the actor name. You're like man in black, William Bernardold. Like you just can't. <laughs> we're just trying to <laughs> whatever characters are all the same people. It's just kind of hard to figure out what to call them. I'm going to call. Sure. Them. I think we'll stick with man in black. Okay, man in black. He looks out at the. Um, at the group coming out of the forest and kind of gives like a knowing smirk, right? And like he kind of figures out like, oh man, this was, like he kind of comes to his own realization. He, and he, if his whole thing has been like sort of trying to find, you know, he's been trying to find the maze and he's been trying to find like what the park means and try to figure out all the little secrets and find all these little things that happen, little Easter eggs, right? This is like the ultimate Easter egg, right? He's like, man, we just got played hard. <laughs> and he kind of yeah, like, and yeah. he kind of nods to it in a, he kind of, he's not scared. He's kind of like, Man, this oh, is he's it. thrilled. Yeah, yeah, he kind of thrilled, and he and he knows he's probably staring down the staring down the barrel, literally and figuratively, of death, and kind of just is just okay with it. But again, whenever you don't see the actual thing, I, I there's always room there's always room for a question mark there. Like it's not for Ford. We see him get his blown get his brains blown out, but everyone else to me could I guess theoretically still be alive. Well, yeah, so I think we can walk through that. There's a lot going on again. Um, the only question with Ford, obviously, and, and this is unfortunately a question the Westworld introduces all the time, which is if anyone could create a host version of himself right. to go get its brains, brains blown out, uh, it would be Ford, right? So that's I don't think it's totally out of question. And also just Anthony Hopkins was so good this season right. and is so fundamental to the show itself that like I could see them being like going to the writers and saying, uh, is it too crazy if that was a host version of Ford? <laughs> if we got him under contract for another season or whatever it is, you know? Um, but that being said, it's safest to assume that he is dead for now. Um, and then maybe a little later we can speculate on what season two could even go into. Cause I, I just honestly have no idea. Um, I'm still reeling kind of from this episode, but the man in black, I think is a really becomes a much more interesting character in this episode for me. And, you know, we've talked a lot about as we've gone through the season, giving the writers trust because they have built a really a cool world and a lot of interesting storylines. And the man in black being William is something, you know, we saw coming, I don't know, five episodes back or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was a really satisfying way to explain why he goes from like kind of like a sniveling little wiener into like the badass Wild West black hat wearing guy. Yep. Because the the fact that he came to the park, fell in love with one of these robots and kept coming back and seeing that like you know it it was all fake afterwards i mean it, it's of course a journey to his own maze too which is um as he gets closer and closer to the maze we have two ways that people can go right they can either get go completely nuts which is what happens to a lot of the hosts as they get closer and closer they go crazy and we see dolores flirting with that from time to time as well or they become kind of like uh enlightened and with the man in black it turns out he he went the way of going nuts you know like seeing dolores 
flirt with these other dudes as they came in and kind of repeat that loop and realizing it was all kind of fake. And he comes to resent, uh, you know, well, he, he perceives that it's Ford, that Ford is the one that wants to keep wiping the host memories clean. And he just thinks this place is sick, right? Like he thinks these, like the robots do have the potential to be real. They do have the potential to, you know, come close to being human. And the fact that they're getting wiped over and over again just drives him completely bananas. And, uh, you know, but him being there at the end and getting that smile is almost like I feel like he feels a sense of relief that the hosts have finally been liberated. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with that. I think that's what, kind of what he had been waiting for because he, you know, his whole his whole journey too is to find out all the little secrets of the park to sort of know everything that was happening within the park. He knows he he seems very you know not intimate, but he he has intimate knowledge of really who all of the hosts are. He recognizes them from past iterations of themselves. Like he probably knows more about the park than anybody. And so when there's something that happens, you know, especially in this end scene that sort of defies his expectations or out, you know, operates outside of the normal loops of the park, then he's almost like, yeah, like hat, you know, tip of the hat to it because he, <laughs> because I, he probably just understands more than anything. And again, he's also like, doesn't strike me as a guy who values his own life too terribly much. And so he was like, well, if this is the way I'm going to go. This was a pretty, it wasn't a bad run, all things considered. And so I, I think they did do a good job of sort of setting him up for that final act, um, you know, or for him to kind of be killed that way. I actually kind of thought that Dolores was just going to kill him when they were having their little, their fight outside the church, uh, you know, half hour before, half hour in showtime before that, where she just like beats him up and kind of takes his arm out and he tries to, you know, get information out of her using physicality, which is never which is funny that he even tries that because like that just doesn't work really. <laughs> and, but he's like, he's kind of come to the end of his rope. I thought his story, it's, it'd be a shame if he actually was totally killed. Cause actually his story was getting even more interesting. I thought as it was going, um, just sort of like in the, in that, those final moments. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, well, the island of two minds on this now too, because I wonder if like we, one of the bigger reveals or the, the sub reveals of this episode was that Ford is behind more than even most people anticipated, right? Like we learned that essentially he programmed Maeve to, or we, we believe it to be him. I mean, I suppose it could have been Bernard, but um, we are led to believe that he programmed Maeve to go through this little sequence of recruiting help and attacking the techs and, you know, that he was aware of that whole situation the whole time. And so you wonder if on some level he knows that the man in black is an ally to Arnold. And since, you know, Ford was a closet ally to Arnold as well, uh, we wonder if maybe he understands the man in black's motivations a little bit better than it seemed like leading up to this point. So if he understands that the man in black is really like someone who believes in the hosts and he knows he's a, a very well-resourced person outside of the park, I wonder if the man in black survives and is one of the people who can kind of, you know, join forces with these hosts or, or – free them somehow or you know use his because that, that's one of the, the big problems in situations like this going forward one of the knots the writers are going to have to untangle is when well, i have a park full of these hosts why don't the humans come and just kill them all right. <laughs> and but if there's a super well-resourced person within the park or someone who can help cover it up like maybe this news never leaves westworld or something um like ford we've seen people lose their cell phone signals before maybe he can jam signals yeah. um the question of what happens next is uh is an interesting one, and I think the Man in Black really unlocks a lot of possibilities there. Right, because this this full consciousness on the part of the host was his thing. Like that's exactly what he wanted for Dolores. Because if she had the full consciousness, yeah. presumably she would have chosen to be with him. Like which is the thing that he originally wanted from the beginning, and to not have it was the thing that actually drove him crazy. So this is the thing that he wanted. I mean, it might be a little you know too late kind of category for him. I mean, he's clearly yeah, right. not getting back to the, together with Dolores here, but. Um, 
but that I think you make a good point about why you know for the long term viability of the show it would make sense to keep a guy like him around because right he he probably in the end wants he wants these things for the host presumably this is what he's been sort of looking for the whole time so um, yeah the real game right like what's the uh, there was a vision Arnold ha- or that Arnold had for this park and I'm going to find out what it was and I think like he's still holding on to the, those feelings from that first visit he had to the park where. Um, he felt something real and he felt something worth holding on to. And the fact that in his view that that's being held back from him by Ford, but turns out, you know, by mostly by the board, you know, who, who really views this as just an amusement park and, and he thinks it's something bigger. So yeah, I, I could, I could see him. And I, and I think he's just also again, good and a famous actor. Right. <laughs> They're going to want to keep him on board. So I, I hope we see more from him going forward. One thing that I loved about this show overall, which is the, a theme throughout. And then it really, it buttons up pretty almost perfectly here is how they make Ford over and over, you know, tells about this story he wants to tell and how, you're never really sure what this story is going to be, right? So you're like, okay, well, and I, at the beginning, I kind of speculated, or we kind of speculated that it was, you know, the the characters finding re- the host finding religion because they had nodded to this cross early on, and then it was kind of like, well, it's going to be just a totally different story. But the fact that his story is so perfectly interwoven throughout the whole piece of the park, and the reason I'm saying this is because you know you, we we presume that he's the one that programmed Maeve to have this exact time this exact timeline. Yes. of things happen right at the same time that the right at the same time the board's getting wiped out. She's kind of she and her crew are wiping out the inside of the office and to have these kind of stories you know, I get look, it works really well for television to have it all happen like within the same hour or the same day <laughs> or whatever. Um but they do such a good job of having Anthony Hopkins just his fingers as the puppeteer, he's been perfect throughout the whole time. So, I just love the idea that this was the story, the story that he wanted to tell really kind of was the thing that no one could have ever expected, which was, we're just going to have everyone just kind of take over. And everyone's kind of, oh, we know, what's it going to... Because when he... Because when William and Dolores ride up to the beach, and they're just doing that incredibly cheesy scene of talking to each other with the, with the moon bright and stuff, and I was like, oh, man, this is so bad, right? Teddy <laughs> um, and Dolores you're talking about? Oh, what did I say? I said William. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Teddy and Dolores. When, when they're sitting on the beach, and, they're, and it's, you know, the, the, the big moon in the back, and he's giving that impassioned love speech, and I'm like, man, this is so bad. But then to have it stop and have that sort of, like, be part of the thing, like, the board wanted, except that it wasn't because it was like it was just the, the ploy to get you all here. I don't know. I, I'm kind of rambling, but I just thought the the whole piece of the whole idea of the story within the story, like Ford's story being the thing that ultimately unhinges the whole park. I just thought was kind of like brilliant writing that they and it was something that they they kept pretty consistent with the entire season. Yeah. Well, the the question of what was Ford's big narrative was certainly one that you know had people wondering, right? Because it's like, well, what narrative could he introduce that would really right. change things fundamentally enough that it would be a big enough payoff? I think this certainly qualifies. Um, <laughs> the question of, you know, how, so getting the whole board there, getting them all attacked in this kind of way, getting them surrounded uh, by a bunch of hosts who are uh, looking for revenge or whatever. I still just wonder, like, you know, so what's what's your take? Where, where do we go from here, right? So we have the the people being attacked we don't see them all getting killed so we think that they're probably episode one of next season is at least going to have you know charlotte hale running through the woods or whatever um are these people do they become like the de facto like guests trapped in the park now are they all scrambling and trying to survive off the land 
Um, do they communicate this to the outside world somehow? Does Ford was part of Ford's having the labs back there be essentially destroyed? Was part of that trying to cut off outside communications? Like, what's what's the end game or what's next? Because he's been so careful and and so paying such close attention to every single detail. Like, you know, he's had 30, whatever, however long it's taken him to lead up to this moment, right? Um, five years, 10 years. So he could have done a lot in that time, right? He could make a host version of every single person on the board. He could, you mm-hmm. know, like, there's so much that Ford is capable of doing. Where do you think it goes from here? Yeah, I'm not really sure because clearly his idea is, was the same as Bernard's, which was, I need to have a huge critical failure to get the park shut down, right? There's no other, re- like, that was what Bernard thought he was getting done, and he just didn't, right? Because they covered it up. And, and So you think it's as simple as that? You think it's as simple as, after this happened, no one's ever going to set foot in this place again? Well, like, it makes it's okay. sense if because... The, if the PR gets out there, it's okay? I, I think that was his goal. I'm not sure if it works, but, like, it makes sense because everything about his story and Bernard's story is exactly the same, right? Like, their goals, and right down to the way they died, are exactly the same. So he wants this... Bernard thought he had the critical failure covered in the first one. Arnold, yeah. Sorry, Arnold. Freaking names, man. Um, The Arnold um, thought he had the critical failure covered the first time. He didn't. Now Ford thinks he has the critical failure taken care of. And I just don't think... This is the big question. I'm actually glad that I have no idea about what's going to happen because it just seems like it's just total surprise territory at this point. Like, Not to say like you can't be disappointed by something, but... To have really no idea about what's going to happen to start a season, like to start season two, I think it's just fine territory. I'm, I'm not even sure I can totally speculate it on it. I, I just because I think there's just there are enough unanswered things here that, and we just don't know enough about the outside world or even like the the park within Westworld. Like, what is it? We see a large, you know, they do a. It's not even an Easter egg. They, they when Maven and, and crew are running through the the laboratories and they see the whole section on, I guess what you would just call like. I know, like the Asian Genghis Khan sort of... Uh, well, in, in the original Westworld, there was Samurai World. Samurai well. World, right. And so you see mm-hmm. that, and, and Felix is like, oh, it's complicated. Like, what's that? And he's like, it's complicated, and we kind of just move on. Then you're like, well, is this world being developed? Is it? Does it exist within the park, and we just don't know about it? Like, yeah, it's just a different button on the elevator, basically. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, I think we're going to get healthy doses of whatever that is. You know, there's an idea that behind, like... You could probably have worlds come in conflict with each other, like if they're Samurai World, Westworld, and then I forget what the other one was. You know, now these these are sort of the new um, these are the new antagonists. You know, these other hosts from other worlds. So I don't know. I, there's a couple different ways it could go. Yeah, I think. Well, the, yeah, that's a good call. I mean, obviously, that introduction of the Samurai World. I think it's more than just like a. You know, that, what's that old thing where the gun is on the mantle place? Chekhov's gun Chekhov's or something gun, like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where if there's a gun on the mantle place in Act 1, it's going to be used by Act 3. I think that that's definitely a nod to something we're going to see coming up in the future. Also, Westworld has been pretty good. And actually, uh, this is another thing just from a, a story writing perspective that I actually really appreciate about Westworld, which is, you know, very frequently the big reveal is something that legit you could have had no chance to ever guess. And that to me kind of feels like, like a crossword puzzle clue that's just like so abstract and inane that you can't get it until the very last letter is just filled in by the <laughs> the perpendicular clue to it, right? right? It's like you don't feel like you've accomplished anything. You're like, oh, I get it. Good job, you know? Yeah. Um, it kind of feels unfair. And I think with Westworld, it's actually been a really satisfying like – you know, there's enough there that if we really dig into it, you can figure a lot of this stuff out. We'll kill, still give you some surprises, but um, but you can watch early on, and you don't have to go back and rewatch to find the things. Like if you're really paying attention, you can get there. And um, and so I, I think the samurai world, yeah, definitely is going to be playing part in future seasons. Yeah, you sent me a picture. This is why Westworld probably will bear a rewatch um, at some point because you sent a picture that someone I, I believe had found on Reddit, which was 
Uh, which which episode was it from? The picture of episode Ford? six. Right, episode six. There's a picture of Ford, um, and he's sitting in front of one of his lab tables, and it's basically the setup for the for that attack. It's like the town, and then you can see characters host coming out of the woods, and and it's just like it's one of those things where I mean, during episode six, there's just no chance you'd ever guess it, but where the show is nodding to things that are going to happen, you know, just like a little foreshadowing or what's not even really foreshadowing necessarily, but just like they're nodding to all the things that are going to happen. I, th- I I suspect that going back and watching it again will reveal probably other areas that the show could go like going forward, just not really totally clear on what they are now. Yeah. That, but my mind was turning a little bit when I saw that picture, just like, you know, again, those little things. And, and I think the really nice thing about these types of shows, like the, you know, can you figure out, can you unlock the puzzle shows is when it makes you want to pay close attention. Like what's world's the first show I've watched in a while where I won't do something else while I'm watching it because yeah. I really, I mean, we have this podcast, but I also just don't want to miss anything. Like if, if there's little things going on, you know, people planning or scheming or forwards up to stuff, like anything that's going on in his office, I want to be there and I want to be watching. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. This is the first episode I actually like, didn't take notes during, uh, like I'll usually stop and take some notes but this one was one i was like i'm just gonna watch this all the way through and just kind of enjoy it and then by the way there was a i was looking uh and there was jonathan nolan the show creator did say that that version of ford in the the original version of ford that we've seen is dead for season two so like there was like some questions being asked to him about how we did yeah how they were going to move forward now he no he's careful in his wording though he says that version of ford right (laughs) so you're like this is where you're just never going to know because we had a version of arnold um and he became bernard there's no saying that there hasn't been some other hmm. there's this is this is the great problem with a show like Westworld is like when you can you know like you said like there could be just be host versions of all the board <laughs> moving forward or or he just um <clears throat> his his final thing was just to scare them not to necessarily kill them all right <laughs> like there's it's unclear about what exactly happens in that town i suspect that's how he opened season 2 let's um let's talk real quick about the Maeve situation so Maeve we know ultimately was programmed to like that was all part of her core programming was to be subversive was to recruit was to kind of come online and and just do whatever and you know make it so that felix the poor god poor felix i I didn't know what to think about him really i'm rooting for him i kind of thought he was going to get killed in the elevator by her because (laughs) it kind of makes sense that she doesn't although i guess if you you're trying to make her a little more human than it does but um how did you think like ultimately to find out that mave was being programmed and not um was not operating under free will, which is which was kind of tough to see when she figures out and really can't accept it. Like, what did you think about that being that being sort of the motivation behind her character? Yeah, well, I'm still wrestling with that actually because it was interesting, and it's you know this is one of the age old philosophical questions, which is the idea of you know do human beings even have free will? Like, if the world is really just made up of you know these physical particles and we're just kind of moving through it. And everything we do is basically a function of the physical nature of our brain and the experiences that have come before it. Like, you know, do we have free will? <laughs> like this is, you know, and we don't need to weigh in on that on this podcast. That's not what we're here to do. But um, with Maeve, it's, it's obviously very interesting because we know that there is literally a God or a creator behind her mm-hmm. that has put her into place. And so she looks at evidence that she doesn't have free will and she rejects it. And I think that's pretty interesting. And, you know, it poses a question as, so Maeve's maze as she's going through it as she's you know coming online and becoming enlightened as a real person um you know is part of that looking and knowing that you're programmed and just rejecting that and moving forward anyway and and I think for her we can say pretty safely that everything that led her up to that moment was programmed probably 
But her snapping that in two and moving forward, I, I thought was a sign maybe that, you know, if, if you're aware of that, then maybe you can overcome it more directly. Yeah, and I think that's that's the, the basic theme and the thing that the, the Westworld was trying to just, you know, kind of teach us over the course of the thing is that, and, and they, they really just come out and say it, so it wasn't even like they were just nodding to it, but that, yeah, the humans and hosts really aren't different and they just don't really have many choice. ultimately don't have many choices and you just try to hope that in the end you make the correct choice for yourself and for others around you and and that that's kind of where these people, the, you know, the characters come out of the maze and, and I think that she comes out of it by by not going on the train. Like now, we, we do have a question of what the reason that, I mean, I guess we can assume it's Ford, but like, you know, why Ford would have wanted her to leave, right? Or or did he want her to leave? Or did he just want her to get on the train and come back in? Like, do you think, like, like which part is the program and which part is her own free will, do you think? Yeah, so <laughs> this, I think, is a, a very subtle thing going on there, which is we know that the hosts are anchored by these tragic experiences. That, that Ford's perspective is that that makes them more real, right? Um, and, you know, more lifelike and human if they if they're grounded in something that's suffering based. And it's actually interesting too, if you look at the actual characters in the show, the one that are grounded by some piece, uh, piece of suffering like Ford or like Arnold or whoever do feel so much real and people are more real than people like Logan who are grounded by, you know, again, being an eighties jock. So, <laughs> um, but so, so Maeve goes back and she's on the train and she has this thought about her daughter, uh, her, her host daughter, I guess, um, the person that was programmed to be her daughter in those memories. And she heads back in. And now I think there's a couple things going on here. So the first is that Maeve could be deciding this. She could be thinking, not only I don't want to leave my daughter behind, but I just don't want to leave all these other people that I care about behind. Um, you know, she chose to have Hector not be able to come with her or whatever. Um, and you know, the interesting scene where there's basically like the electric fence that doesn't let him into the elevator. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting, but um, so we're led to believe, I think, that Maeve somehow knew about that and, and overrode that in her own programming. But we've also had other discussions on the show about, you know, these other measures that are in place so that hosts can't leave the park, right? Like that that other tech, the really annoying one with the red hair and the beard who finally dies. Um, he he leads, to, leads us to believe that it's just kind of physically impossible for hosts to leave the park almost no matter what. Like there might be some hardcore programming. So I wonder if that's like a failsafe, you know, like – if they ever, if you ever make it this far, then your anchored memory comes back up and draws you back in or whatever. And, uh, so I'm not sure it's her own choice. I think it could also be that she was programmed to make it that far and to come back in all along. Yeah. Well, it's just a little confusing about like how that, I guess, okay. So the story is cool in the sense that like, you know, we have Maeve and she's, she's on this journey and, and she could escape the park. I'm not exactly sure how it fits in with the rest of the story, except to say that like, we're going to get a little bit of a, a we're going to get a, a better look at like sort of like the, the inner workings of the Westworld offices. You know, we get the samurai look and, and things like that. We're going to have a just, a, you know, full on Terminator mode for some of these <laughs> for, for like Hector and yeah. Armistice. Like they're just this is like this is the downside of having sort of just, you know, program hosts that you can just go um, T-1000 on kind of some of these <laughs> on, on some of these characters and just be and just like kind of take them out just total military style, which I thought was good for the show to show that because that is a real concern when you have these things is like if they go off their core programming and they get their hands on a gun, like you're screwed. And I thought that was just, it was a very badass scene to kind of give us that. I'm, I'm, wasn't... Yeah, I want to talk about that actually really quick because one of the criticisms I've heard about that scene was that the, uh, 
that the QA people, they're like stormtroopers basically, like yep. they shoot and they never hit anyone. But you can actually foresee a scenario like, you know, a lot of the people who have written intelligently about the dangers of artificial intelligence have pointed out rightfully, I think, that, you know, like we know this from working with computers all the time. Uh, computers can get really, really good at things. Yeah. <laughs> and so like if you have Hector and Armistice who are programmed to be like the best gunslingers in this Wild West environment, and we've seen them like, you know, in these scenes shoot with incredible precision at incredible speed, it makes perfect sense that they would just wipe the floor with these regular humans who are also emotional and they're stressed out and they've never actually dealt with a situation like this before. And they're kind of like like security guards at the mall or whatever. Like, you know, when you're a Westworld security person, you don't ever really have to put your skills into practice, right? Like you're not a, a beat cop in Rio de Janeiro or something. Like right. you're <laughs> like just a guy who walks around this really cush office most of the time. So I thought that scene was actually a lot more plausible than I think some people did. And, and I thought it was really good as well. Yeah, and I think that it was interesting to see like these two characters just go full on. Now, we've never gotten a great emotional backstory on either, either of these two. So it makes sense that like these would be the ones that could do it because you're like, okay, they were already, we've been grounded in the idea that they're sort of bandits and they already kind of do this. So, you know, they already have violent ends <laughs> To their, no, to no, we, get, we get Armistice's backstory. She was, uh, she says that Wyatt killed her whole family, and, and she was going one by one and looking for them all and paying them all back. And well, she says specifically paying back the people who did this to me, and um, and so in this instance, there she is paying back the, pe- the people who actually did it to her. Right? right, and so like the fact that they kind of just can go, they can just be in scary mode, um, and it's not totally clear that like they are they're ended either like i don't you know we don't get we don't we, we this is another thing that the show did a good job at of you know we get the doors closing on hector and the sh- shooting starting but we don't see what happens to him we see armistice with her arm um getting caught and then kind of turning and facing the crowd but or the you know the, the groups but we don't get the full ending of like sort of what happens to them and I, I was just glad that the show kind of took it that direction because I don't know. It just it's it, that to me seems as realistic as anything else. Now, what I'm, I guess my problem was I was saying before was I'm just not sure how it fits. Like I'm not sure how it fits with the rest of what happened, like to the board, right? Like I'm not sure how mm-hmm. that piece. I'm just not sure how it it's wrapped up together. Like I don't know what the upside to be, you know, for made to escape or for them to like wipe out the whole office, build a whole like inner office park structure. Why that would be also important for like Ford's piece. Do you know what I mean? Like I just, I'm sure. Well, I, I think I can maybe lend a theory to that anyway, which is basically the only way to successfully get away with the deception is to cut off all your loose ends. Right. Right. If there's a single loose end anywhere, you can believe you know, it's the old gossip thing. Everybody has a best friend. In this case, this is going to be a pretty noteworthy event that people are going to share with other people. Right. So the only way to actually make this situation work inside the labs is if they kill everybody. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you only kill a few people or you kill mostly everybody, then somebody gets out and tells if, if the idea is for it to be a secret. Right. So um, Ford kills the people on the park or the board that's inside the park. The only people who would know what was going on in the park were these people in the lab. Theoretically, you know, maybe they would have fail safes elsewhere, but we're kind of led to believe that this is one overall encompassing office. And so, you know, th- them putting everyone down could be a way to just, you know, can basically have hosts take control of that aspect of it as well. It's like, you know, the bank robbery movies or like Goodfellas say, uh, or no, it's the Godfather, right? Where all the guys are killed, like at the exact same moment, you know, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. I think it's p- potentially a nod to that. I-, I could see that making sense. I don't actually know what happens with Maeve. So like she goes back in 
she's just going to go back to those offices where they're now just like pools of human blood. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Right. And that's the, that's the thing that's the question is because there are still a lot, a lot of humans alive in that part, in, in that complex. Seems like it. Yeah. I mean, they, they shut the control center down and put, it looks like that goes on lockdown, but there's just a lot of, there's a lot of what ifs still because you know, this, this, the structures, this place is huge, huge, huge. And you know, we only get a small taste of who the humans are within this world, but there's clearly a lot more than we probably imagine. And so I think that they're going to not have to bend over backwards to sort of figure this out, but I think it's going to be somewhat tricky to kind of tell the next season's worth of story without it just being just a, a war, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Well, and I think that would be unfortunately pretty uninteresting if this agreed. just turned into like, I agree. the robots fight the people for another whole season. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's an episode, <laughs> but it's not 10 episodes to me. I do think that, I mean, one of the theories or themes that Westworld could play with here, and they do it a little bit, which is like, you, we, we get so used to being really connected in this technological world, but like, you can just not be like, you know, people take for granted the ability to communicate instantaneously, wirelessly from wherever they are. But like when I was driving home from my soccer game a couple months ago and my phone died and it was from a new location and my phone died. And all of a sudden I was just like kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I realized I didn't have my wallet either. I was like, nice. huh, I could die out here. <laughs> like this is not, like I, I literally had just had no idea what to do. I didn't know where I was. I, you know, had, didn't have my wallet. So if I ran and I was low on gas as well, that was the other piece. Um, but like that feeling of like, huh, my cell phone doesn't work. Now what? Right. <laughs> like, I think if, if Ford actually controls that whole building or has code for it and turns the building into essentially one of the allies, then, then that works for me, I think. Yeah, or just releasing some of these people into the into Westworld and just say like this is like this is the new life that everyone's going to lead is like within this world and we're just going to have to make it work with humans yeah. and hosts humans and hosts uh, coexisting and that's just going to be the way that kind of the show moves forward. I, f- I find that that could be uh, an interesting plot, but this all speaks to man they just they've buttoned this up pretty well and 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 it's kind of going forward anything is really a surprise. And also, like, you know, just just to kind of double back on that, Armistice and Hector obviously have, like, their murder levels ramped up to 100. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, swipe that, they swipe that screen. Give me that all, iPad. <laughs> they swipe that screen all the way to the top on this. Um, do you think something like that threatens the show? Like, do you, could, could something like that, uh, sort of like, you know, the unstoppableness of these characters threaten the show going forward? Like, could you see that being a problem? I don't know. I mean, so one of the things about the robots, or the hosts, I guess, that we've learned is that, you know, even their pain instinct, and it makes total sense that their pain instinct is not the way humans pain instinct works. Right. So like as a human being, we get signals of pain when our body's saying like, hey, if more of this happens, really bad things are going to happen to us. But hosts, they don't actually rely on like, say, blood, you know, like they're machines. <laughs> so uh, if they lose a lot of blood, they're programmed to think, oh, well, I should fall over and make this like a realistic death scene. But we've seen several times now um, with Maeve and Dolores where, you know, a host can take a ton of, of physical pain and, you know, mortal wounds. Actually, with Teddy, too, and he's at the scene uh, where he grabs the knife out of the man in black's hands and host kind of or Ford rather kind of puts him back online so that the man in black can continue his storyline. Um, we see several times that, you know, the physical damage that hosts take is really akin to like if someone shoots my car and a bullet goes through uh, the doors, right, uh, and, and comes clean out the other side, my car doesn't even notice. Right. <laughs> it just keeps driving and chugging along. Now, if someone hits the engine, that's a real problem. But I could see a, 
essentially some like walking dead sort of theme coming where there's like a certain way to kill the host. So like you got to blow the brain up or you got to hit them in the shoulder where the, the, the microchip is or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think that we'll get more information on that in the future. Yeah. And I really hope, like I said, I hope the show doesn't go that way. I do hope, I do think that we could see, and you know, going back to maybe the Dolores storyline for a second is hosts that have, you know, clearly because one host gains consciousness, all hosts have not gained consciousness. Right. Like, yes, and so sure. like it takes a lot for it to happen. And, it doesn't always happen for every host. Like you said, some of them just go crazy and they just can't, not all of them can see the light, so to speak. And I think, you know, what we'll see here is as we go forward is that continued exploration of like, how do hosts that have achieved it, how do they kind of bring others along? Because there's no, there's no program. Like, you know, you know, we joked about like the murder level. Like there's no, there's no consciousness level that you can swipe up to the top for some of these characters. Right. Like you just like, that's something that they have not been able to control. So the idea that, well, it's, it does, it certainly seems that way unless, unless Ford has known how to do that all along. Right. Like if he can turn certain hosts online and, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because he says to her, he says to Doris, he says, um, here's, you know, here's this thing. What you do next is up to you. Like he, like there's, he doesn't have full, this is the thing that they've they've wrestled with the entire time is that like, we just can't, whether we want to or not, there's like this one piece that we simply cannot program. It's up to the host to learn it and to ground themselves like in this tragedy and and to go back in their reveries and kind of figure it out. And if it happens for some, it happens with others. This is the final piece that we can't program and we're just not going to be able to. And so that the fact that some hosts are able to do it and some are not. I think is also going to be part of what we see going forward. Because I, th- I think you can see, you might see in the end, is sort of host-on-host host stuff, which could be interesting. Like the ones that aren't able to... Yeah, they have disagreements, right? About yeah. what to do next, sure. Right, and like they're like, you know, some are still being controlled and some are able to control others. And I think that that is interesting because not all not all hosts are created the same, which is right because not all humans are created the same either. If that's like the if that's the theme they want to be able to do, some are able to sort of see the light on certain things and, and others aren't, and that can be frustrating. But it's also accurate, I think. And you'll see some of these other characters, like you know, it's funny near the end of the episode, and I don't know this character's name, but it was one of the guys. He kind of gives a smirk when he sees that the hosts are going to take over and I don't I don't remember the guy's name or like what his thing was but one of the hosts I kind of it's like his moment of realization where he has like this little like oh nice like this is what's happening it's happening against the humans now and I think that you're gonna see you know some deeper dives in some of these other hosts that maybe had been you know bit characters leading up to this point as they try to like Dolores and company maybe try to bring them along into like seeing the light also because like I mean Hector and Armistice don't like they're still be fully controlled there's no consciousness level of them they're just they're just soldiers right and I think as we well now we might Hector might be online I mean Maeve has kind of worked with him and tried to explain things to him and you know he even says to Maeve as she gets in the elevator I'll see you in the next life you know I right. think he's he's aware of what's going on here and there was one other little thing that, that we saw, and I, I think this means something, but um, when Maeve is handed the coordinates for where her daughter is with inside the park, it's a small thing, but uh, the note that she's handed says Park 1, Sector 15, Zone 3. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was just interesting that they the, the word Park 1 was there because that just seems to me to be confirmation that there's multiple worlds within these Westworldy sort of environment. And uh, I, I think we're going to... I just believe that the setting for the next Westworld or some season in the future is going to be where at least we have access to multiple ones of these parks or worlds. Right, which is a logical way for them to go in season two. 
yeah, just to open up the door for us to, you know, where the show could go from here. Because I, I think there's so many possibilities. I mean, I, I think the next season starts with us. We're in Westworld. They're obviously going to resolve. You know, again, it's a, it's a classic feature, but they're going to resolve. Um, that we're kind of in the middle of that climax, right, where mm-hmm. um, the big attack is happening. Maeve heads back in. Um, I think that, you know, it takes place in Westworld. But, yeah, it's it's super exciting to see where what direction the show could go in next. So I, I'm officially pumped for season two. Real quick, Logan, as he rides off naked onto a horse, dead or alive? Uh, dead. I, I think that if he's alive, it's just too complicated. But, I, you know, the Westworld in the old... Uh, I hate to end this on a on a continuity issue <laughs> piece right. for me because the episode overall was so excellent and we did too much of that on episode nine. But uh, it kind of seems like a, a multi-billionaire, at least a millionaire uh, coming into the park and that's never coming back out would be a source of concern for a lot of people. <laughs> and they might want to figure out uh, what happened to him. So I, I, I'm not sure if he's dead or alive. It makes actually more sense in the context of the world if he's alive. Mm-hmm. But it also is kind of problematic because obviously William takes over Delos and, uh, you know, kind of goes ham on everybody and turns into the man in black. But um, I would assume that it seemed like we're led to believe that he's dead, but I think it makes more sense if he's alive. Either way, I just thought it was going going out naked in the desert on a horse is, I don't know, when you're filling out the when you're filling out the customer survey at the end, you might <laughs> might check a couple boxes that it wasn't all, all the things you thought it was going to be cracked up to be. No, he loves that, dude. He loves the he loves he's a masochist, you know. He loves to go out there and and get his ass handed to him. So, uh, you know, he probably loved every minute of it. And that was the final thing we saw of him was his ass. The uh, so anyway, I think we I think we felt pretty good about the, how the season ended. I think we felt oh, yeah. great about how you know, if this was the end of the show, fine i think and if you know and but enough opened up for season two that excited for it to come back when everyone can clear their contracts away one thing i wanted to mention before we go is quick shout out and i hope he makes it to the end of the episode here if he's even listening but our friend shan we who is actually a dj this is crazy but he's actually a dj in singapore for 91.3 uh sent us a facebook message earlier in the week that was a <laughs> i'll try to post this maybe on the show notes or on the web page but um it was actually a a personalized message from James Marsden, who plays uh, Teddy's character, and it was a shout out to James and I and our wives for um, our wives putting up with us doing this Westworld podcast. But it was just <laughs> fun. It was a fun thing to wake up to uh, in the morning as we see Teddy say, get, saying our names. I never like to be starstruck by things, but I just thought it was cool. Shout yeah, it was out, pretty neat. shout out to Shan for doing that. Um, you know what? They made the whole podcast worth it for, as far as I'm concerned. Buddy, great season. We will be back again for season two. And there's a chance we post a podcast here or there uh, in the interim if there's kind of some stuff that we pick up on uh, through a rewatch or things we notice or if there's any big Westworld news, we can jump on and do a podcast. Thanks. That sounds good, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back again for season two. See you.